0: We're looking into the quarterback and tight end crystal balls on Roto
1: Biz Radio. What's up, Roto Biz? Welcome into the Roto Biz Fantasy Football Podcast. It is a Friday in July. That means that football season is approaching at an ever increasingly rapid pace. Curtis and I have the crystal balls out tonight. We are going to look into quarterbacks, tight ends, try to see what is coming down the road as we work our way to the 2023 season, which will be here before we know it. Curtis, how are you doing?
2: Doing great, man. Um, Made made a. Big time purchase today for the household. Uh, My wife said it's Amazon prime day. So let's buy a dehumidifier. Oh, nice. We got a new dehumidifier. So yeah, I mean that, you know, from a, from a, you know, uh, if we're dadding it, you know, that's fun. Keep the basement tight and dry. Um, Now, do you have this hooked up
1: some type to some type of plumbing to filter the water out for you? So you don't have to keep changing the bucket.
2: Uh, If well, so you can get, so we have a large house. Uh, So we bought a, a 50 liter, um, one, but we won't have to empty the bucket because we got one with continuous run. Sweet, yeah. Um, option, and then the line out, so oh, you can run the line directly to the basement drain. So this is just riveting fantasy. This is talk. yes,
1: yes. So I have <laughs> I have a similar system. So the house that I recently moved into, they yeah. had a fantastic setup downstairs. So yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's it, it's beautiful when you don't have to worry about that bucket. You keep the you know humidity just right down in the basement. Anyway,
2: yeah. Yeah, man. Um, okay. So stay tuned for our weekend episode of um, <laughs> This Old House with yeah. Curtis and Dave. Uh, so in, in terms of fantasy, though, um, yeah, it has really been a cool week. You know, we talked earlier in the week about the Scott Fishbowl kicking off and um, you hadn't made a pick that night uh, when yes, we were I chatting. And, and so I want I to check in, let the listeners know how your draft's progressing and 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 how you think you're, you're doing, I've got you pulled up here. Um, you know, old friend of the site, Josh ADHD at Josh ADHD on Twitter. Uh, if, if you're a newer listener and aren't aware of his, uh, prior work, you know, he's, he's one of, uh, the guys in the industry that, you know, really helped to make tools popular. Um, uh, 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 and, and still does great work. His, his work actually can be found, uh, typically, you know, in affiliation with Roto grinders. He's got it posted on spike week the Scott Fishbowl tools uh, this this year, SpikeWeek.com. And Dave, I've got your team pulled up. You went quarterback, quarterback from the 110. Tell us who you landed.
1: So I ended up with, uh, I did not get Lamar Jackson, who I was hoping could just slip to me, but I still got uh, a mixture of Tom Brady and Russell Wilson. Now, Hmm. I'm not necessarily in love with that start. I really would have liked to have had to me, they're kind of like in that tier that's right behind the elite guys. Um, But I think what's going to happen is a lot of people actually in this league have veered off of going quarterback, quarterback. So I think now I am well positioned in that respect. And now I'll be able to start to pick off some of the other players um, at the other positions while other people have to go to quarterback. So it kind of worked out, I think, um, in that... I have some options now as I can continue to build out this team. I will say we're only at the two Oh nine. Uh, so for example, the three most recent picks Don't are Jamar Chase, Austin Eckler, and Najee Harris. So it's really hard to you know yeah. know exactly how things are going to look from here.
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, what we can say is you may not have won your draft with these first two picks, but you definitely didn't do anything to hurt your chances. I mean, right. your, your QB floor uh, is really high. And your ceiling's pretty high too. Um, I think that's that's a great start. I mean, I'd be very, very happy with that start uh, from the late first position. And then with a third round reversal, I mean, you're going to be set up to have a high end position player. Um, My draft is into the fourth round. So uh, both of our drafts going a little bit slower, uh, which is okay. I mean, this is just a stroll at Stop and Small the Roses. I mean, Scott Fishbowl isn't something we want to be over in a day. Uh, I had the 101. Uh, last episode, I'd, I'd shared that I'd started Justin Herbert and Najee Harris. I came back at that three-four turn after the, the reversal, got to make back-to-back picks again after waiting um, quite a bit. I took George Kittle at three-twelve and Tyreek Hill at 401. So oh, I've got, um, I've got, I've got a squad where now I, you know I can kind of go in any direction. Um, if if I've got a quarterback that falls back to me at five-twelve, I could still make the decision to stop at two or I could just really wait, load up on, you know, wide receivers um, here, the next couple of rounds and, and go with a three quarterback build. I just don't, you know, where I'm envious of your start and I just didn't have the option because of the way the tears played out. Yeah. I don't want to get stuck in that spot where I'm like, yeah, you know, is it worth playing a quarterback in the super flex spot? Or if I've got two of them, which one do I play? You know, there's just so much opportunity to, you know, introduce error uh, to your lineup every week. So, you know, I'm hoping uh, that, that the rest of this crew will sour on the quarterbacks that are left. I've also thought about you know, maybe going aggressive on Deshaun Watson um, at the next turn. You know, His ADP looks like it's in the early 100s, so I'd be going early enough to not worry about somebody sniping him before that 7-8 turn. Yep. And just on the off chance that you know, he would maybe only get a four-game suspension or something. You know, if I can just limp along to a, you know, a two and two start at the beginning of the year and, the, and then really have some upside. So I'm, I'm kind of figuring out the strategy from here. But, hey, you go one, 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 one. You can go any direction from here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh,
2: that, that's enough about our Scott Fishbowl teams. Uh, let's get back to this crystal ball situation. And to kick it off. That is, of course, our FFPC stat attack drop. And we're talking quarterbacks and tight ends tonight. This is a tight end stat attack brought to you by the RotoViz Advanced Stats Explorer, Dallas Goddard. Interesting case study in here. Would you know, did you know, Dave, that Dallas Goddard ranked first amongst all tight ends in the NFL with a minimum of 50 targets at 7.1 yards after catch per reception.
1: I did not know I that.
2: Neb- I would have never guessed Dallas Goddard. I would have guessed George Kittle. Uh, it, it actually, I just would have guessed George Kittle. <laughs> um, and, right. you know, David David and Joku actually up there as well. You know, that's not surprising. Goddard, you don't think of necessarily quite on that level of athleticism. Um, but, but man, you know, really, really popping there. And, you know, we're going to talk about Goddard uh, in, in this episode and, and where he would rank next year in Redraft and Dynasty. But, you know, with, with Philly adding another elite wide receiver, it's going to be pretty hard for defenses to key in on Dallas Goddard. I mean, safeties should be scared uh, of, of the combination of, of Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown. This is going to be an interesting scenario. May, you know, maybe Goddard's somebody that I need to open my eyes on a little bit more. I am, after all, uh, a pretty big fan. Of Jalen Hurts. Uh, Again, this is the FFPC stat attack. Go to myffpc.com, the home of high stakes, redraft, best ball, and dynasty fantasy football. Huge jackpots, great contests, a slick app that never fails. Notifications always come through. Their dynasty leagues have never, ever, ever had one close. They have over a 1,000 dynasty leagues that they're hosting on this. They've never had one fold, ever. So all that effort that you put in, to that awesome RotoViz Triflex Dynasty team that you're going to build. You never have to worry about that being in vain. They will always fill the orphans uh, that pop up from time to time in your league. MyFFPC.com.
1: All right. We are going to start tonight looking at tight ends as you alluded to. The first group of tight ends, and I will just say if you are listening to this episode and you did not listen to the previous two from this week, you can go back and get the full rundown of exactly what we're doing here, but I'm going to list groups of five players that are all sequentially uh, listed in terms of redraft positional ADP. Then Curtis and I are going to think about which of these players will have the highest redraft ADP and the highest dynasty value. As we head into the 2023 season, our first grouping includes Dalton Schultz, TJ Hawkinson, Dallas Goddard, Zach Ertz, and Dawson Knox. A lot of youth there, a lot of interesting names, Curtis. I can't wait to hear where you go with this group.
2: Yeah this is, this is an interesting group. Um, you know we talked uh, th- three weeks ago, I think uh, the week that we really focused on George Kittle yeah. um, after he he popped in the range of outcomes tool for us, we talked about Kittle, maybe being a little bit closer to that elite tier of of Kelsey and Andrews than people were giving him credit for. But it seems like a lot of the buzz and chatter this summer has been about maybe Dalton Schultz Mm -hmm. being closer to Kittle and Waller um, than he's where he's being drafted. But then you have this other uh, portion of the community that says that's crazy. Why is he going like three and a half, four rounds before Zach Ertz? It's the same situation. So, you know, this is an important area of, of tight end, um, you know, I guess, positional flag planting that, that you've really got to get right in our premium email yesterday. I actually had used the FFPC roster construction explorer and showed that last year, uh, for teams that went early quarterback and and rounds four or earlier, it made a lot more sense to wait until after, uh, round eight. So round nine or later to select your tight ends. So there's also, there, there's also a, a roster construction uh, piece to this. It, it's not just where do you go in this group. It's do you even make a pick in this group if you went early QB? So just all, all kinds of ways to, to cut this up. But we're going to focus on the specific players. You know, Schultz is really set, uh, provided that the team wouldn't bring in somebody like Julio Jones, which his name just keeps kind of popping up. Uh, with the Dallas Beats, maybe that's wishful thinking. Maybe more smoke than fire there. But in, unless the team were to add, you know, a serious competition at wide receiver two, um, you know, Schultz is the heavy favorite to trail CeeDee Lamb and, and target share, uh, at least until either Gallup is fully healthy or, or Jalen Tolbert has a chance to, to really assert himself in the offense. TJ Hawkinson had a great run um, through the early phases of 2021. The team invested a lot at the wide receiver position this year. Um, So it's going to be interesting to see if that opens things up for him a little bit more, or if he just has to find his way to fantasy production by efficiency on fewer targets, um, which has basically been Dallas Goddard's entire life in the NFL. Uh, You know, for many years he was uh, fighting with Zach Ertz uh, and, and was in that efficient bucket, but he's never really broken through to that high level of targets. You know, it's always kind of looked like maybe he could be a Travis Kelsey type threat if he would just be featured. The team just never really made that decision. Um, then you've got Ertz who, you know, really was a, a nice surprise last season, kind of getting a second life uh, out in the dry heat in Arizona. Um, a couple of things working in his favor there, including, a, you know, a lot of missed time for, for DeAndre Hopkins uh, so Zach Ertz could build that rapport with Kyler. And then Dawson Knox on the strength of all the touchdowns last year. So, Looking forward to 2023. Um, I'm putting Knox at the the bottom of this group for redraft. Um, it, it's hard to really give him a lot more targets. Um, you know, at first glance, you know, maybe with Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders leaving, you would think, all right, well, Knox has been there. He's established. But they bring in Jamison Crowder, who's probably just a better version, uh, if healthy, of what Cole Beasley's been. Um, obviously, there's, you know, all, all the chatter about Gabe Davis and I don't want to get derailed here in this episode, but, you know, many people are, are excited about what what he could do this season. And then the investment in James Cook in the backfield, I think Knox is going to have the same role again and the touchdowns are just going to be so hard to predict. And if you don't get one, he's not really helping you um, like some of these other guys uh, might, even in a tight end premium situation, you you still want those those receptions. So Knox is at the bottom from a redraft perspective. I think he would be, fourth in the group above Ertz from a dynasty perspective, uh, next year. Uh, and you know, Er Ertz would, would be fourth in redraft and fifth in dynasty. So just flipping those guys, this really comes down to the three that are at the top right now. I'm going to say that, that Dalton Schultz, uh, will remain at the top of this group for redraft next year. I think he's just going to be so hot at the beginning of this year. It's not going to matter as much how he finishes. He's going to, at the end of the year, he's going to be right there at tight end five or six in terms of the, uh, the, the total production, um, though it might not be pretty uh, in the second half of the season, depending on how that offense goes. And so for those reasons, uh, and for the fact that we don't know if he's going to be re-signed in Dallas, uh, doesn't seem like they're getting close to a deal quite yet. I don't think he'll be the top guy and dynasty from this group. Uh, I do think that that would be TJ Hawkinson followed by Dallas Goddard. Um just because of the age and, and um the I guess the the solidness of the role and the ties to the team. Um second in redraft from this group, it's really a coin flip between Hawkinson and Goddard. I think they'll be neck and neck uh again next year. So uh just to recap, redraft would be Dalton Schultz one, a tie between Hawkinson and Goddard at two, followed by um Ertz at four, Knox at five. So it's essentially how they are ordered this year in redraft ADP. But in dynasty, let's bump Hawkinson up to the top and Ertz down to the bottom. Dave, how do you see this?
1: Yeah, so I think a lot of the points that you made there were things that I would have hit upon. I think from a redraft perspective, you do see Schultz have the highest value heading into uh, redraft leagues next year. Uh, A lot of that comes down to when I look at this group of players, I don't think that there's going to be... Um, any one of these guys I could say all of a sudden takes a major leap forward. What I will say is if you forget what Schultz season looked like last year, you might want to go back and look. He finished fifth overall in PPR per game, was a tight end one in 65% of weeks. He was sixth among tight ends and targets, three in receptions, five in total touchdowns. Um, expected points were at 10 per game. This sets up with the changes that we've seen now in Dallas as a season that does not look like it's going to go down as one that is a fluke. I think a lot of the opportunity he had for those touchdowns remains there. And it's hard for me to look at somebody like Knox, who I agree in comparison to options um, in this group. You really can't have the same type of expectations of a repeat season of what he did last year. So I think for those reasons, you end up with Schultz edging out Hawkinson Uh, largely based upon the fact, as you said, that team has added some weapons. They probably have one of the worst quarterback in this situation here. And then, uh, you know, Goddard, I expect to have a good season, but I think he's a little bit capped in in comparison to Schultz. My answer in Dynasty is probably going to be a boring one, in which I would say I think that between goddard hawkinson and schultz they're gonna have pretty similar value and i don't really have much conviction as to who that's going to be Mm -hmm. as a result of that i would stick with hawkinson given the fact that we have seen him be in this group of players that dynasty managers are expecting to at some point take the step forward or sit right on that fringe in that tier two as a result of that i think he'll still have a good enough season to carry that forward um and if I had to pick, I would say it's going to be Hawkinson. But again, I don't have super strong conviction on that. Okay.
2: So, yeah, I mean, I, I I think we're kind of where the community is uh, on these guys uh, other than just wanting to remind people that there's some reasons maybe to, to, to be a little bit worried about Schultz maintaining this type of value in dynasty going in uh, to to next season. Uh, His, his situation could change. He could be out of Dallas, um, or if if you get a situation where both Gallup and Tolbert um, find roles in the offense, um, then you know perhaps Schultz will will be forced down the pecking order uh, a little bit if the team becomes more of a downfield passing team uh, next season. Let's get into the next group. Yep, um, because this this is a value tier and best ball for sure. Um, and and I have a lots of drafts where I've got two you know two guys from this range as kind of the backbone of the, the position. So I'm curious to, to get your thoughts here, Dave.
1: Well, first, let me quickly let everybody know, Curtis, that currently I am on the clock in 37 best ball drafts. <laughs> and those 37 oh, are good. about less than a third. Or they're, or no, they're just a little bit more than a third of the total drafts <laughs> that I am in right now. So we are busy oh uh, in those underdog streets right now. But a group of players Ooh. here are uh, Cole Komet, Irv Smith, Mike Kosicki, Albert, Akui Boonham, and Noah Fant.
2: Before history is written, Bobby Orr. Behind the, the the it's played. Tonelli, the nice Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Score! Before it's etched in silver... It's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands. All hand-finished and graded for excellence or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Niles jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Yeah. Um, so, so in this group, I, I talked about my, my Justin Fields exposure a couple weeks ago and, and talked about, uh, how, and I was on Cole Komet uh, as a result of that, it's pretty easy to, to get exposure to the, uh, to the Chicago offense, um, at multiple phases of the draft. You can go with Mooney early. Um, you can even do a weird stack with Montgomery because he's, he's almost fallen out of the RB dead zone, uh, with where his, his ADP has slid to. You can even wait until really late and do something with, with Vilas Jones. Um, and so, you know, I'm sitting at 21% Cole Komet. He's actually my number two owned tight end right now behind TJ Hawkinson. Um, and, you know, that's just because, you know, he's, he's a prime candidate for some uh, touchdown regression. Uh, you know, he had zero touchdowns last year uh, on just tons of targets. You know, he's really active in the offense. You know, he, he, he essentially had, um, you know, the same production as a Dallas Goddard. He just had no touchdowns. So, you know, you would figure him to have about five touchdowns on what he did last year. That would have vaulted him up, uh, uh, you know, the year-end rankings. I think Justin Fields is going to take a step forward. Um, you know, it does take tight end, most tight ends a few years to really um, entrench themselves in an offense. And, you know, Komet has had a couple years to adjust now. So I think things set up really well for him uh, to, to, to really take a step forward. And I think... Comet could threaten the production of the prior group uh, that we talked about, and just is much cheaper. Uh, so, pretty excited about this player. Um, you also mentioned Irv Smith, you know, who unfortunately has battled a lot of injuries. Um, we've talked a lot about Minnesota uh, and the changes in their offense. You know, they they did pass the ball a lot last year, but um, they're going to be more of a, a passing team in neutral game, game script situations now too. Um, and you know, Thielan. Had the injuries over the last couple of years. KJ Osborne's taken a step forward, but they don't really have a, a running back in the backfield to feature uh, to throw the ball to. You know, Cook's had like 20 drops the last couple of years, uh, and Madison's pretty pedestrian in that uh, category as well. So there's some room for Irv Smith to really uh, carve out a role. I'm just not quite as excited about him being as projectable as Cole Komet. Gesicki, you know, the, the problem here obviously is adding Tyreek Hill. Um, Okuwee Boonham does have Russell Wilson, but Russell Wilson hasn't really featured a tight end since Jimmy Graham. Um, it's been many, many years, and as excited as we are about Albert O, uh, he's not Jimmy Graham. Um, and the Denver has plenty of other attractive passing uh, options. Noah Fant's pretty interesting because he's the cheapest of the group. He goes over to Seattle with Drew Locke, with whom he's already got an established relationship with, uh, but he's, he's also potentially going to play with Geno Smith um, who I don't think is going to be super comfortable forcing the ball uh, deep downfield, you know, like Russ uh, did. I think that the team's going to play differently and perhaps Geno being the quarterback would even be better uh, for Fant than Locke. I think that Cole Komet will have the highest ADP in redraft and dynasty planning the flag there uh, on this group. Um, I think Noah Fant uh, will be number two uh, in both redraft and dynasty from this group. And then from there, I think it's going to be pretty even. Kind of your to your comments of the prior group. Yeah. Uh, I expect that people will still look at Smith, Gatsiki, and Albert O as you know, tight end twos with upside. You know, basically every tight end between tight end nine and like twenty every year kind of falls into that group, and it's just kind of pick your poison. I do think that Komet could potentially break free of that group and 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 you know reach that next tier. How do you see these guys?
1: Yeah, I honestly, I don't have anything else to add. You made all the points that I would have made. And to me, it clearly, after I looked at this for about two seconds, was Cole Komet, Um, mainly going back to as you, I expect that we do see Justin Fields take a bit of a step forward. I think that Komet is a pretty good player to begin with. And then in the context of his offense, he's going to be one of the key players. As a result of that, everything heading into next season lines up for him to be differentiated from the rest of the group. So we are going to turn our attention now to quarterback and we are going to start with another fairly interesting group. Most of these guys have been in the league for a while. We have one younger passer and this group includes Matthew Stafford, Trey Lance, Derek Carr, Aaron Rodgers, and Kirk cousins.
2: Hmm. Yeah, this is a tough one, man. Um, You know, Lance is the obvious name that sticks out as somebody that could really jump up because he has, you know, he's got that Konami code uh, attractiveness that nobody else in the group has. Um, And, you know, he should be able to sleepwalk his way to 20 fantasy points a week. And then what happens if he actually can throw the ball? Uh, The question is, how much do you believe in him? Man, I think think you've got to be pretty terrible to not succeed with Debo Samuel, George Kittle, And Brandon Ayuk. Um, I wasn't the biggest Trey Lance fan as a a prospect. I honestly don't know what he's capable of. He's basically not played against any good players ever. Mm -hmm. Um, And he doesn't have a lot of experience against those bad players. So he's basically an athlete with a big arm who we know can run. Um, If you trust Shanahan to get him in some spots where he can be productive, uh, which I do. That means I've got to say, you know, Lance has he's got that chance to, to, to really rise out of this group in dynasty and in redraft. So I, I will say that he will be the, the top out of this group in, in both formats for 2023. Looking at the rest of the group, I think it's just going to be really hard to ever uh, bet against Matthew Stafford. I think he's kind of going to turn into the the new Tom Brady from a fantasy perspective. It's just like he's in the optimal offense for his skill set. He's going to be surrounded with the right types of talent. The team is going to always be in a championship window while he's there. I mean, he's already saying, you know, like his elbow is going to be in better shape than it was last year. And he's more comfortable in the system. I mean, it's kind of crazy to think like, you know, it's just crazy to think what he's capable of. Um when it's all said and done uh, in LA and this pairing with McVay for as long as they're together and and Cooper Cup playing at the level that he is and, and perhaps Allen Robinson taking a step forward. So I'm going to say Stafford number two in both formats. I'm going to go cousins number three in both formats. And and I think he's got a chance to be Stafford light. We've already seen a lot of uh, solid fantasy production from cousins in the past. Um, You know, Justin Jefferson's pretty awesome. And I I think that the attack with K.J. Osborne and and Irv Smith providing alternatives to Adam Thielen um, is pretty exciting. And then, you know, Derek Carr uh, is obviously going to remain above Aaron Rodgers in Dynasty because of the age situation. And he is set up pretty good with that surrounding cast. I think Aaron Rodgers could still edge Derek Carr out and redraft um, on name value. And he's shown us that he can still produce fantasy points even without the elite talent. Um, I'm not going to say that's going to happen. It just wouldn't surprise me. So my final order, I think really for both formats, Dave is Lance Stafford cousins, Carr, Rogers. How do you see it?
1: So I will contribute these thoughts here, um, before we start. So Trey Lance, I am not sold on for, you know, a large variety of reasons. However, though. I do think about the fact that we have seen plenty of Cam Newton in recent years putting together very solid fantasy performances, doing nothing with his arm. So there's a precedent that Trey Lance doesn't really need to have the passing ability to be a very attractive quarterback option. The other thing I want to say is for terms of redraft this year, I think all of these quarterbacks excite me in that they give me a quarterback I can get fairly later on in the draft than like a Justin Herbert or a Kyler Murray. And I think they're still going to have pretty decent seasons. What I think plays out though, is that Lance doesn't become a superstar From a fantasy perspective, as a result of that, Matthew Stafford is the highest ranked quarterback in terms of ADP going into next season, because I think he's going to have a pretty good year, like you said, has those weapons, is going to be on a very successful team. That's going to translate into him holding on to the value that he has now as we head into next year. I do think, though, that from a dynasty perspective, there's still going to be that hype with Trey Lance. I think that we see Shanahan get enough out of Lance that it leaves this window open for the possibility of what if he starts to put it together more. So I would be pretty surprised if we don't see, let me say it differently. I think we would need a pretty big implosion this year, um, for him to lose that hype and that value in dynasty. I think even with an average year, we're still going to see him carrying a lot of that forward.
2: So a little bit of a counterpoint on Lance, yep. um, <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo has averaged 18, you know, last year he averaged 18.1 PPR uh, per game in the, the Shanahan offense. Um, and then if we go back to what would it be? 2019 missed most of 2020. Um, let me get the sort yep. back here again. He, uh he averaged 18.6 points back in 2019. So between 18 and 19 points in both of those seasons. And then if you go back to 2018, Nick Mullins, Nick, Mullins averaged over 18 fantasy points per game. I'm using the NFL Stat floor uh, to quickly, you know, find these values. And, you know, it just goes to show you that, you know, I think there's, there's production inherent to the system and the surrounding surrounding talent. So if you just get like Lance, doesn't actually have to be that good. It's like, you know, year one of Jalen hurts, right. Uh, Before he took any steps as a passer whatsoever, I mean, if you can, if you can get into that 16 to 18 point range on passing, you don't have to be elite whatsoever. And if you're rushing for 40 or 50 yards a game and scoring a touchdown on the ground, every other, you're scoring 23 points a week. Um, And, and so I think that's the thing is like Lance could to your point, not be good and still put up elite, elite production. Um, It's, it's hard to be excited. Like it's hard to sell yourself on that. Like, In in comparison to Hertz, uh, Hertz had, you know, it's not even a comparison, uh, the type of prospect profile he had versus Lance, you know, uh, looking good at Alabama and then being extremely prolific at Oklahoma. So playing against better uh, competition and doing it at an elite level. But I mean, all of the points, you know, still bear true. So, um, okay. Where did you end up with, where are you with Rogers um, for next year? (laughs)
1: <laughs> um, I think that if Rogers comes back and plays, we end up seeing him going ahead of both car and cousins in redraft and honestly, okay. probably okay. in dynasty as well.
2: Oh boy. Okay. So that's a little bit of a take. That's a little bit spicy. Um, don't give up on one of the goats until he puts himself out to pasture. Having okay.
1: said that though, I would probably <laughs> prefer car and cousins personally, yeah. uh, in, you know, in a dynasty format next year.
2: Oh, it's it's a you're, it's more of a. It's a thought more about of, what the community right. will do. Yes, okay. exactly. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, let's talk about let's talk about this younger group.
1: Yep. So we have Justin Fields, Tua, Trevor Lawrence, Matt Ryan, and Jameis.
2: Hmm. Okay, I think Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence actually encroach on the prior group that we talked about. Um. I mean, I, I just really strongly prefer Justin Fields to, tra- despite the difference in level of surrounding talent. Mm-hmm. I just prefer Justin Fields at ADP already this year versus Trey Lance, uh, and and would prefer him um, in, in Dynasty as well. Um, I know that's a minority take, but um, I just don't think he had much of a much of a chance last year. And uh, people are giving Trevor Lawrence this pass and not giving this pass to Justin Fields. It seems like so inconsistent. Justin Fields um, was
1: such a good prospect. I feel yeah. like we're losing sight of just <laughs> how, right? like are, just how it, good it, Justin Fields yeah, should yeah. be in theory. And I know that, yeah, Trevor Lawrence gets this huge pass because there was a complete meltdown. But it's not <clears> like Fields was put into much better of a situation. So No, Chicago's been a
2: hellhole. It's yeah. been a hellhole for, for quarterbacks for three decades. Yep. Um, so, you know, I, I think both of those guys have a real chance to do, uh, exciting things, take a big step, um, this year, uh, for dynasty and for redraft next year, uh, Tua, you know, I think he's gonna, he's, you know, got a chance maybe to get into that, that cousin's range. Um, if he can just not turn the ball over and, and let Waddle, Gesicki and Tyreek, um, do their jobs, um, we'll have to see. I mean, he's got a couple seasons of shaky, production under his belt, but he certainly hasn't had like, you know, this full collection of talent before. Um, and and if we're going to give other prospects that who are high end a pass, um, perhaps we we owe the same to Tua um, with this collection. And, and then, you know, perhaps better coaching, you know, Matt Ryan and Jameis Winston, I think you're looking at him a little bit year to year. Um, you know, Winston, if he were to be solid, of course, he's got better surrounding cast this year as well, has a chance to recoup some of that dynasty value. But neither one of these guys, I mean, these guys are both absolute statues uh, compared to the other three. So, uh, okay, breaking that, having broken that down from this specific group, I'll say next year for redraft, uh, it's going to be Fields, Lawrence, Tua, Jameis, Matt Ryan. Um, And then for Dynasty purposes, um, Dynasty purposes, it will actually be the same. But my, I, I think the actionable take would be if you're looking for some sort of you know next steps in dynasty, it would be to to, to make plays both for Fields and Lawrence, uh, in particular, if you've got a little bit of margin for error uh, with your team this year, Move, moving off somebody like Derek Carr uh, to the Devonte Adams owner, um, or the Kirk or Kirk Cousins for to the Justin Jefferson or or Adam Thielen manager. Um, there are some things that you could do to maybe entice them. Dave, we actually had an offer in our inbox Mm -hmm. where we could have picked up, um, Justin fields and, uh, and, and we didn't do it because we were waiting to see what was going to happen with Deshaun Watson. Now we talked, uh, at the top of the show about my optimism for, you know, this is not a commentary on his actions or, or the legal process or anything, but from a fantasy perspective, the excitement that we would have, you know, for, for him, if he were to be available this season. Um, and, and it looks like maybe we we're going to make the right decision here and he's going to be a little bit more available than we had hoped, yep. but I'm kind of regretting not pulling the trigger, uh, moving Devonte Adams for Justin Fields. Plus, I kind of wish we had done it.
1: It's all right. Listen, with the roster <laughs> we have, we can make plenty <laughs> of moves. We can make plenty yeah. of
2: moves. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It doesn't matter. I mean, doesn't matter. T- this is title town. It's title town. Exactly.
1: Um, I will say in regard to the question, though, I really don't have anything to add. I am in, in full and entire agreement with the way that you broke that down in the order of the players. I guess the, the piece that I could add here would be that I do see Fields and Lawrence is a bit different differentiated from that pack so i would be in support too of trying to make moves now to proactively go out and get them before we see this potential you know stark increase that if things break right for them you know as early on as week 2 week 3 of the season they could be en- valued entirely differently right so now's not a bad time to go out after them in dynasty
2: i thought that was the end of the episode
0: (laughs) well
1: i wasn't sure you know i i i thought (laughs) that was a mic drop
2: moment man there's nothing else i need to
1: add okay all right well you know i had the wrong sound effects pull up luckily i felt like i could you know toss in some some thunder there and it would kind of work
2: on that i feel like this is the content that listeners want so we'll just leave it it, (laughs) at (laughs)
1: <laughs> thank you for listening to the rotoviz fantasy football show send us questions at rvff at gmail.com follow us on twitter at davecabenff and at Patrick nfl leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214 and make sure to rate review and subscribe